Greetings, everyone. Thanks for joining me. This is Pastor Mike. I'm here in my office with my Bible open to Genesis chapter 2, where it says, starting in verse 21, So the Lord God caused the man to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs and then closed up the place with flesh. Then the Lord God made a woman from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. The man said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. Now, if you remember in our last episode, we were in Ephesians chapter 5, where Paul quotes that last verse from the passage we just read. That is why a man leaves his father and mother and is united to his wife, and they become one flesh. But then Paul adds this amazing statement. This is a great mystery, but I am talking about Christ and the church. You see, we were created by God to live in relationship with him. Marriage was instituted by God to illustrate this truth. Now, to really appreciate and understand this, we need to see the value that God has placed on it. Here in Genesis 2, where we find the account of how God created Eve, we get a glimpse of God's heart and purpose in creation. Eve was Adam's bride. She was not created from the dust of the earth like Adam was, but she was created from Adam. Adam was put to sleep, a picture of Christ's death, and a rib was taken out of Adam from which God created Eve. This is amazing in that it gives us a wholly unique picture of Christ's death, which speaks to God's greater purpose in dying, the creation of a bride for himself. Adam was put to sleep for the express purpose that something might be taken out of him to be formed into something else. This is, in fact, the only picture in the Bible that speaks to Christ's death that's not for the purpose of atoning for sin. Because remember, Sid had not entered the garden yet at this point. What we see here is that the cross was a means to an end. Jesus died for the existence of his bride, the church. It is the very life of Christ in the church which constitutes her existence. Jesus said that unless he went away, that the Holy Spirit would not come. But if he went away, the Spirit would come, not just to be with you, he said, but to live in you. This reality of the Spirit living in us is unique to the New Testament church, to the New Testament age. Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 24, Very truly I tell you, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. Now, through the death and resurrection of God's Son, the Holy Spirit has been sent to birth spiritual life in many children, it's from this spirit that the church derives both its life and its very existence. Romans 8 9 says, You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, 
but are in the realm of the Spirit. If indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, and if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. Jesus did indeed die for the sin of humanity, but it's so important to see and understand the redemption that comes through the Lord's death as a means to an end. From God's perspective, the end goal of his death is the creation of a bride for himself. Now, how do we know that this passage in Genesis 2 that we began with depicts the creation of the church, his bride? Because of Paul's quotation of this passage in Ephesians 5, 31 and 32, when he says, For this reason a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife, and the two will become one flesh. This is a profound mystery. But I am talking about Christ and the church. He couldn't have said it any more plainly. This is a profound mystery, that the two becoming one flesh is a picture of Christ and the church. I previously shared a definition of worship that I want to repeat. Worship is when the spirit of man and the spirit of God come together to enjoy communion and intimacy. In other words, and the two shall become one flesh. Now, Paul shares the impact that this communion has on us when he says in 2 Corinthians 3.18, And we all who with unveiled faces reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. This verse describes the transformation, the metamorphosis that takes place when the veil is removed and we come before God's presence with total transparency. God uses these times of intimacy to conform us to the image of his Son. We are able to then reflect God's glory as we experience God's glory. And it says he accomplishes this through oneness, and the two shall become one flesh. Simply stated, I become more like Christ when who I am becomes entangled in who he is. Paul would say this is a profound mystery, and indeed it is. But to understand it is not beyond our grasp. There is no more intimate relationship than that between two married people. And that is the picture God shows to illustrate our spiritual union and relationship with Christ. Today, may we worship our Lord with unveiled faces and hearts that we might see revealed in us this greatest of mysteries, this mystery that Paul describes in Colossians 1, 26 and 27. He says, The mystery that has been kept hidden for ages and generations, but is now disclosed to the Lord's people. To them, God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Amen.